0: Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: So, let's turn to... uh... 1st Samuel chapter 23 this evening as we kind of continue through 1st uh, Samuel. We remember David's been on the run and is uh, trying to find refuge, continually trying to find some refuge. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you've uh, faced some type of difficulty like that and you just need to find some refuge. Sometimes even in our day-to-day uh, struggles and stuff, just uh, uh, trying to find some refuge is nice from circumstances and situations to kind of just sit back. And, and, you know, this is what's so great about the Lord. He's our hiding place. He's our strong tower. He's, he's our place of refuge. And, and so it's kind of great to just go and even at times like this to where we can just kind of sit back and, uh, and just find refuge in the presence of the Lord. And David was on the run trying to get away from Saul, and he ends up running into the, running and finding shelter in Keilah. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 23. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. So David's aware that there's a problem. Uh, it, it, word gets to him about what's happening in Keilah. And, and so, therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? So, I, I one, right off the bat, it's really great. David's kind of on the run. He's not sure what to do, what's going to happen. He's in go mode, but he's still concerned about uh, the people of God and concerned about what might be happening. And, you know, he's been anointed king, but he's not a king right now, right? He's not in the acting role as king, but he's been anointed king. But I think, isn't it great to see him acting out in that role, though, even though he's not got that full Uh, authority, as it were, by the people in that sense. But he knows, and he's operating based on what he knows. And he he sees that there's a problem and a situation, and he still cares about God's people, regardless of who the ruling king is at the time. Therefore, David then makes inquiry of the Lord. And I think that's a significant thing in the situation. I think it's important for us to note. Whatever our struggle, whatever's going on, And then when we see some other need, make inquiry of the Lord. He's not just saying, oh, there's a need. I'm the person that's supposed to do it. Make inquiry of the Lord. You know, because being aware of it doesn't necessarily make you the instrument to be a part of that. Being aware of it is part of it, but make sure. And so I love this about David. He makes inquiry. He asks the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, and I like this part too, he makes inquiry and God speaks back to him, speaks to his heart, tells him what to do. Man, that's good too. I think it's important. I don't think David was wondering, I wonder if God's gonna talk to me. He made inquiry, expectantly, God speaks to him. I think that's part of the thing, waiting to hear from the Lord when we ask something. Sometimes it's a yellow light. A yellow light just means, you know, you're going to holding pattern. Okay. You still got an answer, didn't you? You heard something. Red light, stop. That's still an answer, right? Green, go. Either way, we hear from the Lord. It, a lot of times, though, we don't always like what we hear, so then now we start trying to make inquiries about other people. But I like this. He makes inquiry of the Lord. The Lord says, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So he says, this is, this is right. This is what I would want you to do. Important to note, this is something that is the Lord's leading. Note that, because we're going to see some other things go on in this little portion. And it's important to note that he knows, and you should know, and I need to know, in the midst of situations, that there was the leading of the Lord going into it. So, David's men said to him, look, in verse 3, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? He says, man, this is already, already we're kind of, concerned about our well-being, just kind of hiding out like we are. This is kind of bad enough. Now we're placing ourselves in a place of battle and even higher vulnerability, more exposure. We're out in the mix of it now even further. Are you sure this is a good idea, David? That's kind of the idea. This is a little bit much. Are you sure this is something that—now, I like this and this is good. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. David listened to and he responded, and he went back to God. He didn't just get out this club and start beating these guys or something and just saying, what's wrong with you guys? Can't you hear? You know, I just said we're going to do this. He, he went back. He made inquiry once again. And the Lord answered him said, arise, go down to Keala, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Now, he gives the promise, gets a promise from the Lord that, hey, there's going to be deliverance in the mix of this. So now it's go. First off, it was Go. There's, he's cool with, David's cool with that. The guys that are running with him are just like, well, you know, wow, I think this is already, we're already kind of in a mess. Are you sure we ought to do that too now? There's a little bit of doubt, a little bit of uncertainty, but he's not clubbing them saying, you know, look at man, you know, get your faith gear on here. What are you doing? He's not doing that. He's just, okay, cool. So I'll check with the Lord again. You know, he goes back, he checks with the Lord and the Lord says, yeah, not only do you go down and do battle with him, I'm going to, you're going to be delivered. In the mix of this. You're going to have victory in this. Great. I think this is all awesome so far. Wonderful truth so far. They're going to be delivered. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So what a huge blessing for that people there, and how they were delivered, and and God used uh, David as as his instrument to bring deliverance to them. And it was just a great, great thing all the way to this point. Now, it happened when Abathar, the son of Abimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keala to besiege David and his men. So Saul catches wind that this is where, he, he becomes aware now, this is where David's hiding out. He's vulnerable now because he's gone into this place that's kind of, secure in a sense, and so it, it doesn't have quick, easy access in or out, and so they can kind of overtake him there. That's kind of the thought in Saul's, you know, battle plan here to kind of overtake them in this place. Now, interesting thinking through this, David's gone at the leading of the Lord to do this thing. Just got to keep, these, the, you got to keep the, the line of thought going on this, because sometimes we find ourselves in these kind of spots, too. David's gone to do what he believes, clearly, the Lord has led him to do. And now, he's going to get into a spot where there's going to be trouble, right? There's going to be some type of a a potential attack. So, Saul goes down to try, is is heading that direction to try and attack. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. And you remember, this was... um, Part of the way that they kind of would begin to discern uh, sometimes the leading of the Lord. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Now, here comes the next big question in this situation Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down, as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. So we got part of the question answered. He's making inquiry of the Lord. Is Saul going to come down to attack? And are these guys here in in town going to turn me over to him? Is that that what's going to happen? These are legit questions. Let's find out the, the facts, you know. David's gonna, gonna get the facts. Will the men of Keala, Then David said, Will the men of Kiala deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. Now, that's probably troubling news at this point. So David and his men, about six hundred, arose and departed from Kiala and went where wherever they could go. And then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Kiala, so he halted the expedition. God is leading every step of this way. This would not be the anticipated—this wouldn't be something that I would expect, I don't think, or something that we would expect, except for if we think through a couple of things. You and I, as believers, have oftentimes tried to help people and do good things for people and really step in and intercede and do do things that are really of benefit, great benefit to, to people at times. And sometimes we, we, we don't understand why in the world would they turn on me? I've just gone down, me and my men. We've sacrificed our lives, put ourselves in harm's way in that sense. We, we, we were willing to sacrifice. We went down, put ourselves in harm's way to protect and, and to benefit these, these men and their community. And yet now they're totally turning on us and willing to turn us over to, you know, uh, uh, someone who's after us. It's an interesting thing because oftentimes we can be doing things, you know, as believers and and helping people, even sometimes other believers, and they can be the very ones that can sometimes somehow, all of a sudden, they can turn and, and it can go really bad, So the question is, eventually, do you say, oh, gosh, I'm just going to stop doing things for other people because, you know, it's just, again, the the idea is, don't you think, you ever feel unappreciated? Don't you think maybe that's what David felt, just unappreciated? I certainly know that moms, anybody who's ever been a mom probably knows what it feels like to be unappreciated, you know. Um, You know, it's just, it's, Part of things sometimes. You feel unappreciated sometimes. And I'm certainly sure that David might have been in that kind of, golly, you got to be kidding me. Here we've gone to this great extent to kind of, you know, protect that. And now they're going to turn against us? They're going to sell us out, kind of, you know? This is an interesting thought. A couple of things to think about. One, we always have to remember that in reality, unfortunately, we want to be very gracious in these matters. Because the reality is, is you've done the same to somebody else. Well, how can you say that definitively? David just recently, remember, look at what happened with the priests. <laughs> he sold them out, didn't he? And they lost all of that whole community, they lost their lives he just recently done this. Think about it. It's interesting that he's asking this question, will they, will they sell me? You know. He's just kind of done something like that. And the reality is, is he doesn't get all wigged out about it. He just splits. <laughs> you, know, you just realize, well, I got to roll. You know, I, I'm going to have to leave because I know that that's what they're going to do. That's what this situation is going to turn into. It's something to think about. So do I stop doing things then for others because I know there is a strong possibility it's not gonna pan out? Absolutely not. No strings attached, you know? Just keep being Christ-like. That's the key. Keep being like Jesus would be. That's part of the deal. Keep being Christ-like, keep loving. Keep doing those things that are loving. Why? Would you turn back just for one second to verse, I believe it's verse five. These guys are always on the run. They're, you know, they're, they don't have, you know, it's not like they stop and, oh, well, look, gosh, let's plant some corn or let's plant some whatever and harvest this, you know, they're they're on the move. These guys, he's got, what, at this point, close to 600 guys running around with him. And that's a lot of people to feed. He probably feels like he's the responsible party to that. And think about what's going on here. They end up, by doing what they did, they did what they did out of their own, the leading of the Lord. It was godly to do what they did, right? Because it was the leading of the Lord for them to go in and deliver that city, right? It was the leading of the Lord, therefore it was godly. It's just like us doing things for others, but Jesus has spoken to us that we're to do those things for others. You know, we're to to care for and and love on others. And and then this interesting thing comes up in verse 5. When they struck them in the middle of the verse with a mighty blow and took away all their livestock, all of a sudden, here's this massive provision for them. God's provided massively for them. See, God's economy doesn't work the way our thinking works. Okay, God's economy works the way God's economy works, the way God's designed it to work. And it's based on our obedience to the Lord. So we're not giving to get or doing things to get. You see what I'm saying? We're doing things just unto the Lord. But we can have the expectation that if we're doing those things that God's going to take care of things. Isn't that amazing? Right, just tucked away right in the middle in there, in all of this stuff that's kind of turbulent and seemingly not very clear, except for, well, God told him to go down there, and all of a sudden the whole thing went south because after they had the victory, now all of a sudden these guys are going to turn on him and turn him over to, to Saul, and it's like, wow. But I don't see David really flipped out about that They got provision. God took care of them because they were obedient to the Lord to do what God purposed them to do. Now, certainly, we would aspire not to be those that would uh, do things like this. But this betrayal aspect, you know, this idea or knowing that it's likely possible that at times there's going to be betrayal, then. Why help out if that's ever going to happen? Why would you help somebody if you just know there's going to be betrayal? Well, because we're doing it unto the Lord. They gave out and God blessed. They gave out because it was God's purpose and God blessed. And I think that's just a good thing to kind of tuck away and realize, man, we see this throughout the Bible over and over and over again, situations like this. And it's so good when we take the Christ-like attitude in it, and I think David just he just moves on, and and Saul halts that expedition, but it's not to last for long. Let's move on into verse fourteen. And David stayed in stronghold in the wilderness, and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Uh, Ziph means. Uh, refining place or place of refining there was a lot of uh, minerals and different things up there and they would uh, extract those things and then there were um, smelters you know where they would take and heat up the ore you know to melting temperatures of the ore and then they would let the the dross comes up right to the top the the stuff that's uh, the impurities come up to the top and then they would kind of Scrape off lightly because you don't want to waste any of the good stuff, right? So you scrape off lightly the dross that's on the top. Have you ever watched a a smelter at work? You ever seen a smelter or anything like that? It's pretty cool, it's an interesting. Uh, thing anymore, you know, because I guess we don't need anybody to work on our cars anymore, and we don't need anybody to, you know, that's not true. We all know that. But what happened to the industrial arts classes or anything? I mean, we just hardly do any of this anymore, but this is where you get to see some of this cool stuff. But they heat it up to a certain temperature and, and gold or real fine stuff. They heat it, heat it, and then they just lightly just kind of get the, because all the impurity comes up, and it's kind of a, um, it floats and, and makes almost like a swirling Uh, discoloration in it, as you look in it. And you scrape it off, and you scrape it off, until all of the impurities are gone. And interesting that this is the name of this place, and this is where uh, David would go and kind of find find some form of shelter. Interesting for us, in our journey, uh, for all of us, while we're on our journey— there's gonna be those seasons and those times where, man, we're just in the crucible, right? Where God puts us into the fire. We're in the crucible, and man, you know what? It's a good place. It's a painful place, but it's a good place because what what makes David such a great king? Futuristically, we're not there today yet, right? We're just we're watching the process play out right now, but eventually. We see him rise to be a really great, usable king. Now, he had a lot of imperfections, didn't he? But can you imagine if he hadn't gone through these times, the type of imperfections he might have had? You know, he had plenty of imperfections, right? But he had less than he might have had otherwise. It's like us. God takes us through these times, and we repel this. We do everything we can to insulate ourselves against getting into these kind of spots because it's horrible sometimes when you're in it. You feel very alone in that. It's, 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 it's just difficult time. But man, Saul sought him every day while he's in the place of refining, Ziph, where the smelters are. Notice this next little coupling of words, but God. Man, I circle it. When I get to it, I draw a little box around it with one of my pens. You know, whenever I see the but God because they are so many and so significant in the Scriptures. There's this and this and this situation, that circumstance, but God. You know, isn't that true for our lives? This could be going on, that could be ha- but God. Look at what it says after that. Did not deliver him into his hand. God watched out over David. Even though he was in a place of difficulty, in the sense he's in a place where he's in the fire, he's kind of getting refined He's out in hiding, kind of trying to wait and see what's going to happen with things. But God intervenes and looks out after him. What are some of the things that happen? As they scrape this dross off, they scrape it off and they scrape it off. And there was one specific way that they knew when they were done. There's one thing that they knew when they were done and, and this was fully refined is when they would go like this, they would bend over and they would look down into this, this hot, melted ore. And they'd look down into it after they would scraped it a few times and pulled the stuff off. They'd look down in and then they'd see a perfect reflection of themselves. And it's done. You see, that's what God's doing in you. That's what God's doing in me. He's heating it up and heating it up and heating it up. Get those impurities out of there. That's just trash. Get rid of it. You know, keep it fired up. Keep it fired up. Keep it fired up. <sniffs> Impurity comes off. That's what it sounds like when you scrape the impurities off. And you scrape it off until you get to that spot where they can bend over and just kind of look over. And then, see, this is what Jesus is doing with you and with me. This is why it's so important not to resist it. It's kind of just embracing the reality that, hey, if I'm in the refining pot, if I'm in the, in the, in the smelter's hand for a while, so be it. You know, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. We sing that song, Refiners Fire. We sing that song, but man, when we're in it, it's tough. It's difficult, and I know it. But that's part of the fellowship of suffering sometimes that we experience this side of eternity as God's shaping and molding and making us into who he wants us to be. Oh, may we not resist, don't we want to have the Lord be able to look over and be able to see the reflection of his character and his person within each of our lives. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today and I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship personal relationship with us and so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives but he wants you to open the door and invite him in and so I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with the earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I wanna invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I wanna ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And I pray, Lord, that you would Just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose, Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have, and I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.